You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. The emphasis of the text, when it mentions every one of the giftings, after every one of the giftings, you know what it says? Do it. If your gift is teaching, teach. If your gift is serving, serve. If your gift is giving, give. Just do it. Some people aren't doing anything. They're attending a church service. You think you get kudos for God from heaven by attending a church service? No. Do something. There are any number of reasons that people don't serve in the church. You might not know what you're gifted for. You might start and face opposition and then want to quit. Or you might simply be fearful to step out in faith. Today, Pastor Danny simply calls you to just begin. Everyone has a gift for serving in the church. Find a place to serve and try it. Or follow the, or follow the desire that God has placed in your heart. He'll reveal what you're gifted for, and He'll thoroughly equip you to do what He's called you to do. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 12. As he continues his message, you've got charisma. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. That's sobering for me. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides because you'll get tired and you'll need fresh strength. And so Peter puts the gifts in two very broad categories. Okay, two umbrellas. There are speaking gifts. There are serving gifts. One of my main gifts and my main gifting that God has done and continues to do in and through my life, I'm a big mouth. And I'm absolutely amazed at that. And before we're done, you'll, you'll understand why. I'm just amazed. I'm in awe. Every, every week, every week I get up and do this, I'm absolutely amazed. I'm amazed people come back. I, I, it's just amazed. I really am. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. It's just amazing. Incredible. You might love me, but that's a different thing. To, you know, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Now, I want you to see the practical nature of how these giftings begin to work themselves out in our lives. I want you to see it. And, and to see it, I want you to imagine that you're all in little groups and we're having a meal together. We've had a great meal and now the dessert is being brought out. And here it is. And if it's me, it's a big old banana pudding, you know, a big old banana pudding coming out. And all of a sudden, the dessert gets spilled. And you're like, no, not the banana pudding. And so you imagine you're in your group and the dessert has spilled on the floor. And here's how the giftings start to manifest themselves with the spilled dessert, all right? 
Uh, now, I'm speaking very generally here, but some people say there's not prophets in the New Testament. Acts 13.1, that, that's a disagreement there. And there were prophets and teachers in the church of Antioch. And the prophet might say something like, uh, that's what happens when you're not careful. Because the prophet's motivation is to correct someone's life. They, they messed up, they spilled it, you know, like they want to correct them. That's what happens when you're not careful. By the way, I have a bit of a, a prophetic gift. I, I'm convinced of it. So I don't always make you feel good, <laughs> you know. And the prophet, the prophet is there to tell you what, what you did wrong. The one with the gift of serving, they immediately start helping to clean it up. They say, let me, let me help you clean it up. And they're there, and they're just they're cleaning it up. There, we have a lot of servants here, but I'm going to tell you, the guy that runs our parking lot ministry, I've watched him long enough. I've watched him long enough. He has the gift of serving the gift. He don't need to be in the limelight. He don't need his name in the bulletin. He don't even need you to pat him on the back and say, thanks. I do say thanks to Jeff, but listen, we call him Stu. That's his nick Stu. I'm telling you, he has the gift of serving. And not only does it do parking lot, anything else, anything else, we have some, some special project, some need. We, Stu's here. We call Stu. He's here. He's there. He just does it. He just does it. Why? Because he has the gift of serving. Just because you don't have a particular gifting doesn't mean you're not called to serve. <laughs> you know, don't say, well, I, I don't have the gift of serving. So you don't serve. You're just a lazy bum. <laughs> you know, look, you may not have the gift of prophecy, but we're all called to prophesy at times, to speak. You know, you may not have the gift of serving, but we're all called to serve. And so just because you don't have a particular gifting doesn't mean you're not to exercise Christian virtues. So I hope you understand that. I hope that's not confusing. So the motivation for the gift of serving is to fulfill a need. Very simple as that. They see the need, get in there and do it. Meet the need. Person with the gift of teaching, that's one of my gifts. The reason that fell is it was heavy on one side. And they won't tell you why it happened. You Discovery. One of the greatest compliments I get Somebody came up to me last week after one of the services and said, there's something about you, and when you teach the Bible, I get it. I get it. That's a great compliment. It's a wonderful compliment. That's what you want. That's what a teacher wants. He wants you to, to see it, to hear it, to get it. Discover why it happened. The one with the gift of encouragement might say, next time, let's serve the dessert with the meal. And the motivation is to correct the future. They're exhorting you to correct the future. The person with the gift of giving, they pull out the wallet, they open the purse, they say, I'll be happy to buy a new dessert. Now, every one of us is called to give. But it's interesting now, isn't it, that in the text, on the gift of giving, God adds, God adds, if that is your gift, give generously. That's interesting that God would have to add that. To the one with the gift of giving. Why? Because the danger in the gift of giving is you start to keep more than God wants you to keep. And God's given you more. God's blessed you so that you generally make more money than the general public. And God's given you that ability to make more money because he wants you to give more for kingdom causes. 
We call her the widow who gave her last mite. She's recorded for us in the stories of the Gospels. Jesus and his disciples are watching there at the temple in Jerusalem as people are giving their gifts, monetary gifts. And it says rich people were coming in and putting in large amounts. But this widow comes by and she gives a very small amount monetarily, but relative to what she has, it's a lot because it's all she has. Jesus takes the opportunity to teach his disciples. And he turns to his disciples. You said, he says, you see this widow? She's given more than all of the rich people who put in monetarily more than her. But by heaven's evaluation, she gave more because she kept less. <laughs> so if you have more, God's called you to give more. And the one with the gift of giving, he's given them more so that they can give more. And the motivation for the gift of giving is to give to a tangible need. And they see a need, they say, hey, and they just, they write the check. The one with the gift of leadership or administration might say something like, Jim, would you get the mop? Sue, please help pick it up. And Mary, help me prepare another dessert. And they are, they're, they're telling people what to do. A lot of wives have this gift. <laughs> Why are you laughing? You're laughing because you know it's true. So give him administration, leadership. The lady singing on this mic today, Lindsay, she's our newest CCF hire. She has the gift of administration, the gift of leadership. That's what it means to be able to organize and put things together. And the motivation and the gift of administration or leadership is to achieve the immediate goal of the group. The whole organization of everything. I'm like, hey, pray for her. She needs it. She got a big responsibility, but she has a gifting as well to be able to do what she does. <laughs> the one with the gift of mercy might say, don't feel bad. Could have happened to anyone. <laughs> Let me clue you in on your pastor. If you don't know me very well yet, this is not my strength. You want somebody to stroke you and make you feel good? Look, I'm going to be prophetic. I'm going to teach. You know, I'm going to tell you why it happened. Why, why you're stupid. Stupid is as stupid does if you just do what it says. You know, and I got the prophetic drive there, but I don't generally have the gift of mercy. That doesn't mean we aren't to be merciful. But that's not my main gifting. The motivation of the one with mercy is uh, to relieve embarrassment. And I don't, people that really know me, I'm usually causing the embarrassment. <laughs> but back to the text. The emphasis of the text, when it mentions every one of the giftings, after every one of the giftings, you know what it says? Do it. If your gift is teaching, teach. If your gift is serving, serve. If your gift is giving, give. Just do it. Some people aren't doing anything. They're attending a church service. You think you get kudos for God from heaven by attending a church service? No. Do something. You say, well, I don't know what my gifting is yet. Do something anyway. Why would someone not do, and why would someone maybe stop doing what they were doing? That's a practical question. Those questions really come from the text because the emphasis is if, if you have this gift, do it. If you have this, do it. Now, I want to give you quickly some reasons why people don't. 
Let me give you an example from the Old Testament. I think you've heard of this guy. His name's Moses. And in Exodus chapter 3, when God comes to Moses in the burning bush to call Moses to now begin to follow and fulfill the will of God for his life, Moses gives five excuses. I didn't know if you realized that. Moses gave five excuses. And here they are. Chapter 3, verse 11 Here's Moses' first excuse. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Now, that is a good response, but it's still an excuse. It's a humble response. And at this point, after 40 years on the backside of the desert, the Bible tells us Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And so he's like, who am I? Good response, but still an excuse. Second excuse. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of our fathers, your fathers have sent me to you. And they asked me, what's his name? And God says, you tell them, I am. That's it. I am. And the intention there is that I am, and you fill in the blank. I am whatever they need. And Moses, I'm whatever you need. But that wasn't good enough for Moses. So Moses comes up with his third excuse, and that's chapter 4, verse 1. Moses said, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? God says, take your staff, throw it down. Moses throws down his staff, it becomes a snake. God says, take it by the tail. He takes it by the tail, it becomes a staff again. God says, take your hand, put it in your cloak. He puts it in his cloak. Bring it out. It's leprous. Put it back in again. Puts it back in. Bring it out. It's healed. God says, go down to the Nile, get some water. Turns it into blood. In other words, God says, I'm going to do miracles. You go stand before Pharaoh and I'm going to do miracles through your life. But that's not good enough for Moses. So he comes up with his fourth excuse. And that's in verse 10 of chapter 4. Verse 10, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. I, I, can't, I can't really talk, you know, very well. And God said, Who made man's mouth? I'll help you. But the fifth excuse is the one I really want you to see. And that's the one in verse 13 of chapter 4. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send somebody else. And some people God calls and and yet they say, you know, no. You get somebody else. I'm, I'm not going. Send somebody else. There's a second reason why you might not do it or if you worry, you stop. And this example is from the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul had one of his best missionary team members named Timothy. And it was tough being with the Apostle Paul, but it especially got tough when Paul began to send Timothy out to do ministry on his own. And it got hard. And he writes to him in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. He says, for this reason, I remind you, Fan into flame the gift of God which was given to you. Fan it into flame. Timothy, let the fire die down. There was still an ember burning. He hit opposition. He got discouraged. And he stopped doing what God had called him to do. You will come to a time you want to quit. I've lost count. Of the times I wanted to quit. And that's when determination and character and commitment kick in. And you find out who you really are. And there's a third reason. It's in Numbers chapter 4. 
It's also in Numbers chapter 7, and it culminates in Numbers chapter 16. And the story is of Korah and the Kohathites who were privileged to take care of the most holy things in the tabernacle. During the wilderness wanderings, they would pack up and they would travel through the wilderness. And every time they'd pack up, all the Israelites had specific responsibilities. And the Kohathites under Korah had responsibility for the most holy things. Offerings are given, and some practical offerings are given for when they travel, carts. Carts with wheels, and the oxen would pull the carts. And most of the guys would pack up their stuff and put it on the cart, and the oxen would pull it to the next destination. But for Korah and the Kohathites, because they had privilege of the most holy things, they had to carry them on their shoulders. Everybody else pack it up, put it in the wagon, wagon takes it. you got to carry the thing. You got to carry all the stuff. They got tired of doing that. And by the time you get to chapter 16, Korah has influenced a whole bunch of other leaders under Moses, and they come against Moses. And here's what they say We're just as holy as you, and we want to do what you're doing. We want to have your calling. It was the first church split in the Bible, and God opened up the earth, and Korah and all his guys went down into the earth. And that was the end of their lives and the end of fulfilling God's will because they weren't willing to accept what God had for them. They wanted what God had for somebody else. For years in my pastoral ministry in the early days, I wanted to be pastors that I looked at. I wanted to be them. I wanted to have their ministry. It was terrible when I look back on it. <laughs> Finally, you got to get to the place where you go, I want to I do what God's called me to do. And be content with that. So how are you going to discover your gifting? I'll tell you three ways you discover your gifting. Number one, you find a place to serve. Except for the gift of giving, all of the gifts are only discovered in the context of relationships and of serving. Peter, I read it earlier. Use whatever gift to serve others. Greatest way I can serve you as a church is to keep opening my big mouth. And I realize that, and that's why I spend a lot of time in the week preparing the message, because that's my main calling. My main calling is to be a big mouth for God. But my, my gift of doing this didn't start doing this, and I'll, I'll tell you that story in a minute. Find a place to serve. You'll never find God's will unless you find a place to serve. Follow the desire God puts in your heart. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's a two-sided coin. He'll plant the desire there, and then in His time, if you're faithful, if you're faithful, He'll fulfill the desire. He'll plant the desire there, and then He'll fulfill the desires if you stay faithful. And then number three, don't you let fear keep you from stepping out in faith. I'm absolutely in awe every time I stand up here and do what I do. I'm in awe. I got saved. God led me to Christian college many years ago. The reason I chose Liberty is because no other Christian college I was presented with, and I didn't know anything about Christian colleges, but all the people at the church I was a part of where I got saved and became a part of the church there they were telling me about all these different Christian colleges. 
but only one of them, and it was Liberty back in the day, only one of them had a physical education major. And I chose Liberty because my choice, I felt the leading of the Lord to be a physical education major because either as a teacher of physical education or a coach or in some way using sports, that's how I was going to be used by God to reach people. That was my dream. That was my plan. Got to Liberty, was on the track team. One of the chapel services, they make an announcement. They're looking for a drummer, a drummer for a new program that's going to be traveling with Dr. Jerry Falwell, who started Liberty. On the way to track practice, I got this thing inside just saying, you, you, should, you should go try out. You should go try out. I'm like, I don't read music. I was an old rock and roll self-taught drummer before I became a Christian. I gave up my drums because the Baptist church that I became a part of said you can't play drums and be a real Christian because it conjures up demons from Africa making Baptists want to dance. I've grown out of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But my drums were packed up in the attic back in South Carolina. Interestingly, I never sold them. And that little voice inside me that says, go try out. I skipped track practice, and in my sweats, I went to the church down in the choir room, and I was one of like 12 people that tried out. And I got it. Began to travel with this group. There were singers in the band, and we'd go around doing ministry all over America. And I'm still a phys, phys ed major. Long story short, the leader of our group, when we travel to minister, would ask one of the singers to introduce the next song. And you never knew when you were going to get called on to introduce the next song. And one night I could swear that he was pointing at me. Here I am back on the drums, hiding behind the cymbals and the drums. And to confirm that he was pointing to me, he leaned down like this and pointed under the cymbals. You, you. And I had to introduce the next song. Scared the living daylights out of me. I have no idea what I said, but I somehow introduced the next song. And it was after that that God planted this little desire in my heart. They told me as a physical education major, even though I was phys ed major, one of the classes I had to take was speech class. I'm not being dramatic. I'm telling you, I came that close to getting on my car and driving back to South Carolina. I was shy. I was timid. To stand up in front of anybody, I would faint. I'd turn red. I'd sweat. But somehow that speech teacher talked me in to getting through speech class. And I did. And somehow that little desire to stand in front of people and communicate truth and here I am. It's abs no, it's abs it's absolutely miraculous. It's miraculous. Henry Ford said one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his greatest surprises is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. You know what God wants to do? in and through your life, if you just lay your life on the altar on a daily basis, if you lay your life on the altar, and as God shows you little by little the unfolding, and it's going to be little things in life that you're just going to feel a pull. Go try out for that. Go do that. Get involved with this. And you don't know, but that's one step closer 
to God being able to take you exactly where he wants you to go. Last word from Abraham Lincoln. You know what he said? Whatever you are, be a good one. Whatever you are, be a good one. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.